Standing up in McKinney, this is According to Callus. Episode 590 coming to you on the 26th day of February, 2024, the year of our Lord. That's right. And today is a McKinney Monday. That's right. We're going to do some updates, what things are playing out here in McKinney. Um, some highlights are going to be talking about some of the tough battles, talking about the potential for a new mayor, and, well, of course, school district stuff. How can we not? Uh, before we get into that, before we jump into the subject du jour, let me also remind you the best way you can help me make a difference, grow the show, uh, get this stuff out here, right? Share it all, all the time. <laughs> Always be sharing, right? The ABS. <clears throat> that being said, follow it on your uh, favorite social media, your favorite podcatcher. I do have a page and a group over at Facebook. Um, the numbers are, you know, lacking, let's be honest. But again, for a hyper local show, which is essentially what this is, I mean, shoot, two, three days, two or three days out of every week, I speak about things that are happening basically right here. And uh, <clears throat> as we continue to kind of grow the show, change the show, mature the show, however you want to phrase it, we're, we're going to be changing some things up. You know, we've talked about the idea that on uh, Mondays, we're going to stick to McKinney. Tuesdays, we're going to talk about Texas. And when I'm saying McKinney, I mean, Collin County, McKinney, that area. <clears throat> Tuesdays for Texas. Wednesday, we're going to kick over and do a little national, international, whatever kind of suits your fancy. Um, kind of more of what's going on in the news situation. Thursday, we're going to continue to try and do either movies or books, or perhaps even talking about other things that are related to media. And then again, Friday, it's going to be a little bit of a potpourri, a little bit of a review, and just some different things that I would like for you to consider over the weekend. It's, it's, uh, it's there for your benefit, right? I do this show, quite frankly, to try and make a, make a difference, as I say, to save the Republic. And honestly, not make any money off of this. In fact, it's still costing me money. And I'm okay with that because I think the investment is worth the payoff, right? Every little bit of change, every little bit of moving that Overton window does have a longer term payoff. <clears throat> so that being said, uh, as a reminder, I do drop in at MeWe. I do drop in at Gab. I do still have most of my material up at YouTube. And I encourage you, um, share it, follow it, um, do your part to help me help you. So as I say on with the show. Okay. So I feel like once again, <laughs> the, uh, the Republican party candidates are uh, spending way too much time beating up upon their Republican opponent. Uh, and not focusing on the big picture. Although it could be said it doesn't do any good to run if you can't win your primary. So there is that. And, and I got to say, personally, I've been really disappointed. Uh, I guess I don't know if I'm disappointing the candidates per se or the people that are working for them. But some of those um, ads, some of the little videos that you've seen, they're just sad. They're disappointing. Um, you know, to take tidbits of facts and string together a story and basically do your best to smear people, man, that's just, that's not my flavor. I get it. I really do. Um, 
people routinely disconnect from their moral anchor to do those things. So, I'm sorry, I got a disruption there. When you sacrifice your moral anchor, right? When you're willing to deviate from what you would normally do uh, for a paycheck, I mean, you're, you're compromising things. Now, you have an opportunity to redeem yourself. That is, the candidate you're working for really truly is better and there is enough evidence to suggest that uh, somebody else is weak sauce. We don't necessarily want them in office. And if your guy wins or your lady wins, you know, perhaps. But when you literally make stuff up, whole cloth that has nothing to do with your opposition, and then apparently your candidate is okay with that, well, I'm sorry. I'm not okay with your candidate. Whereas previously I might have said, well, you know, uh, that candidate's not terrible. If they should beat the incumbent, um, you know, I, I'd be all right. I'll support them. Uh, you know, they, I, I'm not going to let that, you know, but when you cross lines, I mean, <laughs> yeah. And I, I'm again, referencing our man, Josh Frick, who apparently has a list of precinct chairs that uh, need to be made gone. <laughs> now, look, I, I'm going to be honest. I, I've been getting the runaround and the beat down from some of those same said precinct chairs. But here's the thing. With a very rare exception, have I ever felt like any of them need to be replaced? Any of them need to be gone? Any of them aren't good Republicans? Any of them aren't, in fact, probably really good conservatives? I don't like necessarily some of the stuff they do or, or what they want to do, and I'll oppose them on principle, but I'm not willing to throw them in the trash bin either. I, and, and you know, maybe that's just naivete on my part. Maybe it's giving way too much grace than what's deserved. I'll grant you, maybe that's the case, but I'm kind of surprised I didn't make the list. But <laughs> that being said, I'm not going anywhere. I don't want any of those. Well, I shouldn't say. I can't think of anybody on that list that absolutely has to go. Let's put it that way. Could could I make an argument that uh, some people could calm down, tone down? Sure, maybe. Yes. I, I've certainly asked some of those people to, you know, have a little trust, a little faith, but I don't, I'm not there yet. It, it's just, they're supposed to be on our team and we keep spending so much time beating up on people that are on our team. I just can't get over it. It's sad, really sad. I mean, when we have legit bad candidates that are running, okay, I can maybe you know, it can maybe stomach some stuff that runs right up to that line, dances on the line. Um, but really, come on, we, we should be doing better than this. <laughs> we'll, we'll use the Democrats' own uh, talking points. You can do better, or you should do better. <sighs> okay, so I guess that's enough on the tough battles. Let's, now let's talk a little bit, just a little bit. Um, I have my uh, community impact. I get it. I love it. Um, not really sure that... Uh, the constant puff pieces are what's best for the city of McKinney, but it, they do put a lot of information out here and most of it is pretty even handed and straight up just putting it out there. So I can appreciate that. Um, that being said, uh, the, the one for the, or I should say the last 
issue, if you will. That'd be issue 10, which is for January 6th, or I'm sorry, 26th through February 23rd. If you go to page 10, it talks about the city pursuing a partnership with M2G Ventures. Now, apparently this is a woman-owned firm. I'm not sure that that tipped the balance one way or the other. I'd like to think it didn't. Um, I just really want good people to build things out for us. I want good contractors. I want good designers. I want good architects. Now, maybe I'm naive in thinking that uh, you can have an even uh, and fair playing field in today's day and age when I am considered the epitome of all that is evil. Um, But, hey, four of the seven members voted to do this. Now, interestingly enough, uh, the mayor pro tem, Michael Jones and Rick Franklin were all opposed to this. Now, I'm not sure it's because they thought somebody else was better or if they weren't uh, fully on board with the bid. I don't know the details. You you should call and ask them. But what is interesting to me, at least, is the my city council member, he's on board with this. And uh, I at some point, we'll all talk to him about it. I, I think that because he's very even keeled, because he's very open-minded, I'm uh, confident this might actually be a good deal. I just, I always get worried when they got to go with the uh, diversity first, you know, diversity forward uh, on the sales pitch. And that's kind of, sort of what it comes across like in the paper here. And I don't know if that was intentional or unintentional. Maybe it's just I've become so sensitive to seeing this everywhere all the time that I can't help but notice it. So I'm going to withhold any judgment. I don't think this is a bad thing. The fact that the city owns uh, four properties downtown uh, and they wouldn't choose to sell it to somebody else is a little um, perplexing. But who knows? They might have bought it when it was very depressed. I mean, we we had a downtown that languished for many, many years. And part of the reason why it's so sky high now is because there were so many city offices that were put in to these otherwise uh, empty buildings or quasi empty buildings. So it just drove up the cost. Now, on the one side or on the one hand, that's a good thing, right? You driving up the cost means you get a little more value out of those projects and those um, buildings down there. And it should drive uh, the income. But if the city actually owns the property, I'm not sure how that doesn't cost us more money too. But on the whole, I'm sure it was a net positive. I, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt on that. I don't. <clears throat> I imagine that the actual professionals that run the city would not allow us to run in negative. I mean, notwithstanding any political considerations, I, I think they would be smart enough to advise the city council, hey, you know what? This is running us a net negative. We need to figure something out here. Of course, that does require for people to put apart or put aside politics, and (laughs) that's easier said than done. And then we've got a bond. So this would be issue number two coming out of the city of McKinney. Also on page 10, a bond coming out looks to be just short of a half a billion dollars. Now, I hope that gets broken up and there's individual uh, breakouts on what you're voting for on this. I mean, that would be ideal because there are things that I'm perfectly fine taking on debt 
to get a project done or completed, if you will, in a timely fashion so that the city can benefit from it. And some of those might actually include the uh, so-called investment schemes. (laughs) That being said, I'm not naturally opposed to everything. I'm just opposed to things that look like foolish expenses. And we don't know what they all are. They have on here that there are city projects that are currently unfunded. Well, of course, you have to fund your projects, depending on what they are and whether or not they're appropriate. You have to um, update city facilities or renovate them, if you will. Again, I would have thought that was in the regular budget, but depending on the extent, certainly something that you'd have to take on debt for to get it. Improve uh, roadways? Yeah, well, that's a given. I mean, that's that's a, that's a set responsibility for the city for the county for the state and if they don't take care of that they're not even doing the bare minimum and then parks and recreational projects now i think a lot of those parks and recreational are uh, what you call the cherry on top right they're they're the sizzle to the steak Uh, i don't oppose them i i'm a big fan of green spaces i'm a big fan of parks it is a uh, a wellness thing for the city right it's a it's a very good positive thing even if you don't yourself go there all the time just knowing that they're there knowing it's available for other people in the city that do take advantage of it that's a big that's a big win i'm i'm very happy about that all right so item number three um page 13 is let's call it our education situation here so apparently the preschool program for misd is going to expand I am not sure why they feel the need to do it. They have on here that when starting kindergarten, 45% of MISD students are one to three years behind developmentally. So if a kid's four years old and they're one to three years behind, how does that work? I mean, I guess technically kindergarten doesn't start until like five years old, maybe six, depending on their birthdays. But if they're one to three years behind, that's kind of normal. I mean, all kids development is different and it's at a different pace. And while a kid might be technically behind the benchmark for kindergarten by fourth grade, they catch up and you can't even tell the difference. So I'm not really sure why we're doing this and who who's benefiting is really the question, right? The MISD has enough other issues. I'm not sure why they think it's going to make a difference to start even sooner. Uh, I could make some accusations or point out some silliness, but I'm going to just, I'm just going to do that. I'm going to leave it alone. Let's just say I'm a little dubious. So the, the MISD's financial transparency, they received a C from the TEA. Now what's interesting is, The TEA is uh, ostensibly a left of center organization that has in their best interest to protect and build more government schools. So it's kind of interesting that this would happen. But apparently they had uh, made a mistake. (laughs) In the financial reporting, they failed, which is why they can only get a 79, which is a high C. At least it was when I was in school. So... It's interesting They they made a, what appears to be a minor error and they didn't report federal emergency funds correctly. 
Now, it seems to me that's a very basic thing. That's a very entry-level thing. So my question is, who's reviewing this stuff? Who is ultimately responsible? And being that they have actually damaged the school district, is there going to be any accountability? Is there going to be anyone held responsible for that? I mean, Lord knows they'll go after Chad Green for speaking his mind on the school board, but are they going to actually hold anybody accountable? Will the superintendent step in and do something about this? I, I, I won't be holding my breath. Um, and as always, the uh, future of Texas is in our public schools. This is from Ray's. Uh, they are essentially a left of center organization stating that public education is always on the ballot. Now, so this is one of those things where it's both true and false. Public education is not the future. It is a future of Texas. And quite frankly, with the current leadership of most government education programs, I would be a little concerned and just to be clear here, I'm going to be extremely generous and say 99% of all teachers and um, staff are perfectly good people. They're wanting to do the best job they personally, or personally can and professionally can, and they are not at fault or responsible for all the bad things. That's being extremely generous. I think it's probably more like 92 to 97%, but we're just going to set that aside. Well, we have to we have to put this exemption in because anytime a teacher is told that somebody's criticizing or criticizing or critiquing their school system, it's immediately taken upon as a personal insult on them that somebody's going after them. So by putting in this proviso, let me make it clear that yes, I know there are bad teachers, but by and large, most of the teachers are either good or better than average, right? I guess, well, let's just say you can't be most. Let's just say a whole lot of teachers are either average, good, or really good. So if that's the case, if, if the vast majority of them are falling on, that, on the typical bell curve, we should be really happy with 70 plus percent of all of our teachers. That remains, how do we deal with the ones we're not happy with? And should we hold that against all the rest of the teachers? No, I think not. But it would it be fair then to go to the administration the administrative staff and ask them what they are they doing to address these things? How do they fix these things? Instead of just placating we the people that you can't question or touch anything in public slash government education, let's be honest. People wouldn't go to private schools if they weren't happy or if they were happy with what they were getting from government schools. They wouldn't choose to homeschool their students if they were happy with what they're getting from the government schools. And yes, I know there's a certain percentage of people that are uber wealthy and just don't want their kids hanging out with my kids. I know there are a certain amount of kids that have various reasons why they choose to homeschool or their parents choose to homeschool them rather. I get that as well. And I don't see that as a negative or a bad thing either way. But when you get right down to it, for the remaining, let's say 85% of all schools, uh, pupils, right? All the other students. I wonder what percentage of those parents wouldn't look for a better school, wouldn't look for a better option. One, if it didn't cost them significantly more money. And two, it wasn't a major challenge to accommodate what the needs of that school was. So even if we were to accept that government schools are the future and that we need to make them the best that we possibly can, would it not be fair to say that if you're in a particular district and you want to go to any school in that district, that wouldn't improve the majority of the schools in that district. And the ones that fail 
now have a incentive to be better or get cleaned out or shut down. Likewise, if you're bordering a neighboring district that has better schools or a better school closer to you, and that school district has to compete with the neighboring school district, might that not cause the district to do better? This is government school choice, right? You're still staying within the government school system, but you're able to move to the school that best fits the needs of you, the parent, even if it's in another district. But they're afraid of this as well. They want you trapped in their monopoly where you cannot choose or have very little say in what happens in the school district or your school in particular. And I'm not sure why anybody's okay with that. I would imagine the vast majority of people that can't actually afford either the time or the money to move their kids to a private or homeschool situation would actually like better education. And again, we're going to say the majority of the schools do well or better and take good care of the students they have there. But there are still schools that fail. Now, whether those schools are failing because of bad administration or they've got a couple bad apple teachers, right? The same theory plays here with cops, right? Well, the cops are all good and we always want cops around, especially when we need a cop, but we've freely acknowledged there are bad apple cops. There are bad cops and they need to be dealt with. And quite frankly, I wish the cops and their associations would deal with those bad cops, much like I would appreciate if the school districts, the school administration and the teachers associations would deal with the bad teachers. And the fact that they protect them and bend over backwards to shield them from any critique leads me to believe that they're actually quite content with what's going on. That should be concerning. That should bother all of us. But again, every time you critique or comment on the school district or government schools in general, you're slamming on all the teachers. You're slamming on all the librarians. You're, you're, you're beating up on the poor people that work on taking care of the property. That's just ridiculous. Don't buy it. Don't believe it. I, again, enough on the school district. Jumping back to uh, the city of McKinney. So it's got on here on page. Oh, boy. Let's go with page 16. Ridge Road connection and the roundabout is completed. Now, I'm going to just tell you, for me personally, not a fan of roundabouts. I know it's a European thing. I know it's been proven to be safer or more efficient, all this other stuff. I get it. Um, we, the American public, we're not necessarily on board with this. And there's a, there's a learning curve here, right? Now, can I tell you that five years from now, they put enough of these roundabouts out that people won't get it figured out and won't be able to adapt and actually appreciate what they are. Yeah, maybe, but I don't really see that there's a clamoring, uh, demand for roundabouts, but magically they keep getting put in. The other thing that's interesting here is they may in fact be cheaper to construct, you don't have to put in lights. Your signage is less. Um, you know, people, once they figure it out, don't have any issues. I mean, it's interesting. It's an argument. Again, I'm, I'm neither for or against roundabouts. I just don't understand the demand. And then good news is Colin McKinney, the road between uh, Lake Forest and Hardin might actually get finished out here, which means that you can take Colin McKinney all the way over to Heritage Ranch. So I, I don't know. I think that's pretty exciting. We get some of these uh, roads built out and I know it takes time. So there's 
no critique, no hammer, no negativity towards our uh, city because that's something that gets planned out and gets built out over time. And if it gets done ahead of schedule, that's fantastic. But if it just stays on schedule, I mean, that's, that's the minimum. That's what we want. All right. One last thing here about McKinney. And, and I want to bring this up because I'm uber excited. We're getting another Sprouts. Now, even the location is kind of cool because it's going to be right next to uh, Dodge City McKinney there. One of the uh, things I recall about Dodge City and to, I guess to, to a lesser extent, Bob Thomas Forward, if you're over there and you want to sit and wait on your uh, vehicle to be worked on, there was nowhere to go to get food. <laughs> So at least now you can walk through the parking lots and get over to Sprouts. They have very uh, nice pre-made sandwiches and various other drinks available. I think that's fantastic. The other opportunity was you had to find a way to get to the other side of the freeway back when they still had um, Culver's and Whataburger's still there. You could go there and get yourself burger, fries, a drink, whatever, while you're waiting on your oil change or your maintenance on your vehicle. So I'm I'm really stoked. I think that's going to be a, a big improvement for McKinney. I know it's not technically on the east side, but hey, look, uh, it's a it's a good location. I'm happy they're there. I really wish some of the other grocery stores would have stayed open on the other side of 75 there. But what everybody seems to forget is it is a massive cost, a massive gamble investment, whatever you want to call it, to open up a grocery store. And they work on a very tight margin. So if they're not able to make a profit, why in the world would they stay open? Now, you can look at the reasons why they don't make a profit and you can you know, blame any number of issues. But if you can't make a profit, you can't stay in business. So when you go to a part of town and there's no businesses that are open, or if they are and they, <laughs> they look like a uh, fortress, that should tell you something. They can't stay in business otherwise. Now, I know a lot of comedians have addressed this issue and done a far better job than I can or will. So we're just going to stay out of that. Just going to say we need to do what we can to lessen or to reduce both the cost and the risk of these businesses that are willing to go into areas that desperately need their services. And I'm going to just tell you off the top of my head, Choosing to not prosecute thefts under $750, not a good way to accomplish that. Just saying. Dallas looking at you, baby. couple smaller issues here. Coming up. For whatever reason at this time, the charter amendment is not currently listed as going to be on the ballot. I'm going to assume that uh, it wasn't... Uh, set up to make the March ballot. Perhaps it'll make May. Perhaps it'll make November. I think it is appropriate that we, the people, get to vote on any charter amendment. I don't necessarily believe there's a need to amend the charter because I think people of, let's call it, good nature know full well what the charter means. But if you want to abuse the system, then absolutely it was set up that way so it could be abused. All we need to do is ask uh, our elected officials, is that really what you want to do? Do you want to abuse the goodwill that you've built up? Do you want to abuse the general public? Do you, do you want to, you know, manipulate the system just a little more? Is that is that really what your end goal is? Now, I got to say, 
I've heard that uh, Charlie Phillips wants to be the next mayor. That doesn't necessarily mean he will be. It doesn't even mean I oppose or support Charlie. I do say that for an elected official to dismiss and essentially disrespect people that disagree with them would be following suit with the current mayor. Uh, and it's, it's sad. We should expect better. We want more. But I think in the case of Charlie, if I remember correctly, but Aaron, um, <laughs> sorry, I got a little tongue tied there. Aaron Anderson actually reported on this. She was at the uh, meeting where they were talking about these issues about the airport and expansion, all that other stuff. And by the way, if you haven't checked out Aaron Anderson's uh, posts and reporting, you should go check that out. It's well worth your time over at the, um, <laughs> the score, Texas scorecard.com. There we go. <laughs> In any case, uh, as an independent guy, I appreciate that when we've got people that will go tell the other side of the story, the community impact tells the official story, but I, sometimes I want to know other things, right? So that being said, that's something that we need to pay attention to. I don't feel like it's the end of the world that folks that are in Fairview are going to have a few more planes flying over their head, but I can't understand why they would be upset. And I have addressed this at least twice previously, but at the end of the day, they need to also remember they don't live in McKinney and the McKinney city council for better or for worse. They barely listen to the people in the city of McKinney. Why in the world do you think they're going to listen to you in the city of Fairview? Uh, I'm not saying it's good. I'm just acknowledging that's the world we live in. Also, Last topic, last item here. Just want to make sure I get it in here real quick. We're going to need to start looking for good, solid candidates that are interested in running for the school district. And I'm going to make a suggestion right here. Yes, you should go visit the school board meetings. You should get involved and pay attention to the school board meetings. You should see who the people are that are advocating on a regular basis, you should learn from them and know their issues on both sides, presumably, but certainly my side, right? My, my team's going to be there. They're going to be there supporting Chad Green and trying to deal with some of the issues that we still haven't dealt with in the school district. But what I want to caution you on is you cannot be the voice of critique. You cannot be the person that's calling them out every month and expect to be able to then run a campaign and win because they will have painted a huge target on you. They will have guns out, metaphorically speaking, coming after you. I'm going to encourage our people that are willing to deal with that election cycle to be a little bit more cautious, a little bit more thoughtful. Those people that did all that work, I am very happy they were doing it. They did a great job standing for their children, standing for the rest of the district's children. Was there some hyperbole thrown around on both sides of the equation? Yeah, maybe, maybe. It doesn't mean they're wrong. It doesn't mean that they don't have valid issues. They need to be heard. And the fact of the matter is the school district continues to ignore them. The school board continues to ignore them. In fact, they spend more time beating up on Chad Green than actually dealing with issues that were brought to them time and time again. And I went there a couple of times to remind them, hey, you work for these folks. You need to at least address their concerns and be upfront about it. And it's bad enough now that people are going to the Frisco ISD and saying, hey, could you please come over to McKinney ISD and see if you could give them some probable solutions, some good ideas on how we can address these issues so that we can at least move on from that. Is my sincere hope that our people, 
our people right of center that want to run for these seats, one, that they have a good track record and a good relationship with the people in the school district, but two, that they hold to their values and they do the right thing for their children, for their grandchildren. And we need to keep in mind that if we run a positive, forward-thinking campaign and don't spend a lot of time bashing on the very people that you want to lead, you have a much better opportunity to win. There is a reason why I would never run for school board. Besides the fact that I don't think there should be government schools, it's clear that I have enough baggage in my background that those folks will find something to come after me as to why I would not be a good school school board member. And I got to be honest, yeah, I'm not a good school board member because I don't approve of and think it's necessary to have government schools. They do fill a gap. They do. They fill a very important niche. I think we can do better. Myself, I think we can do better. But if you stand back and you look at it objectively and you accept that, hey, guess what? We're going to have government schools for the foreseeable future. But how can we make those government schools better? I mean, that's where I come from now. I have to. I mean, even my friend on the school board says, Stephen, they're never, ever going to do away with public schools. You need to just get over that and, you know, help me, you know, show me some different ideas. Give me things that we can work on to do a better job for our students. Well, Chad doesn't really need my help. He's already got a wealth of experience on that issue and he's been fighting the good fight and he took it to the state board of education race. We don't know what's going to happen there, but He's not going anywhere for the time being. He's going to keep doing the good work that he does on the school district board. And I hopefully will get an opportunity to vote for his reelection. Or at least he was successful in the board of education race. In either case, I'm going to be voting for him because like I said, I might not be thrilled about it, but I also am smart enough to realize that's the best we're going to get. And if, if there's another candidate or several candidates out there that are interested in joining the school district, Careful how you do that. Please get involved now. Make those relationships. Learn the ropes and join us. We can do better. Frisco's doing better. You know, we could follow that leader. And with that, this has been According to Callus. We've gone just a tad long. But until then, I will see you on the other side.